Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we continued our coverage of defense attorney Edward Belinkus's questioning of the alleged victim with another round of inquiry about Ms. Kanarek's social media attacks on the defendant. On today's installment, we continue that examination as Belinkus drills down on what he alleges are threats against his client made by Ms. Kanarek. That's all coming up after the break. 24, 2022, day four of the trial of Michael Barrison begins with alleged victim Lauren Canarak again stepping up to the stand. Judge Stephen Taylor has the witness resworn and she takes a seat. On this day, she wears a burgundy short-sleeved satin blouse with a string of pearls over a pleated collar. Defense attorney Edward Belinkus begins his second day of cross-examining the witness. Ms. Canarak. Yes, sir. Did you ever threaten... Mary Haskins. No. Did you ever threaten Michael Barrison? No. Do you consider some of the posts you put on social media threats? I think some could proceed that way, yeah. So are you saying now that you did threaten them? No, it's not what I'm saying. I said I did not threaten Michael Barrison or Mary Haskins. You're asking, I think, could you repeat that second question again? Let me rephrase it. Do you consider the social media posts that you were posting threatening to both Barrison and Mary Haskins. I consider them that they could be perceived as threatening. And did there come a time when you knew that Michael Barrison was scared? No. Was it your intention to scare Michael Barrison? Maybe at a, po- at a point. What point was that? I don't recall after being bullied and tortured for weeks and days. Ms. Cataract, I'm going to show you text message from your phone. Yes, I see. Okay, and does that refresh your recollection as to whether or not on July 25th, 2019, that you, your boyfriend, and your father were aware that Michael Barrison was scared? I'm sorry, could you just give me one second? Sorry, I was just reading for context here. Okay, irrespective of the context, isn't it a fact that on that day, July 25th, 2019, Mm -hmm. that you, your boyfriend, and your dad were aware of the fact that Michael Barrison was scared? It seems in this text message, because it says, Michael is scared, so... Who wrote that text message? I believe I wrote it. When when you say, I believe, I wrote it. 
Yes. Is there any question in your mind that the records of your cell phone indicate exactly what you wrote on that day? No, I was just confused because I wasn't sure if this number was me sending the text or the other person sending the text that we were talking in conversation. Okay, so irrespective yes. of who said it, all three of you knew that Michael Barrison was scared on the day. I wrote the words, yes, Michael is scared, correct. Now, on August 5th, two days before the shooting, were you also aware that Michael Barrison was scared? Possibly. We thought perceived that. It's possible. I'm going to show you this exhibit sure. and refer you to item number 910 from your phone. Were you aware that Michael Barrison was scared? It seems that I can perceive that way, although, again, given the context, I guess I'll just say, I'll leave it at yes. When you say perceived, is there any doubt in your mind that on the day reflected on this document, you indicated that you were aware that Michael Barrison was scared? Yes. We, in this message, it seems to say he... Can I, can I read this just so will that be okay? No, I'm asking you a specific question, if I may. Sure. Okay. Was Michael Barrison scared okay. two days before? Yes. Hold, hold on. That's that's not the question. All right. She, no, it's it's what she said. Right. Her perception. She can't testify about the defendant's state of mind. Only her perceptions. Rephrase your question. Oh, it's withdrawn. Miss Canara. Yes. Your perception of Michael Barrison two days before the shooting was that he was scared. Correct. Sure. Yes. On the day before the shooting, was it your perception that Michael Barrison was deathly afraid of your father? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question again? On August 6th, yes. was it your perception, based on your observations of Michael Barrison, that he was deathly afraid of your father? I would not say that he was deathly afraid, but I do think he was afraid of my father. So it was written somewhere exaggeration. Defense attorney Belinkus shows Kanarek another text that she wrote, this one on August 6, 2019. Was your perception the day before the shooting of Michael Barrison that he was deathly afraid of your father? Was it my perception? Yes. It was my perception that Michael was afraid of my father. Again, it's, I don't know if this is another example. Can I read these? Oh, ma'am, just... Just answer the questions okay, that's asked. If there's any follow-up needed, the okay. state can follow up with questions. Okay. So just answer the, the no council's questions, okay? Yes, Thank it you. was my perception at this time that he was afraid of my father. When you say afraid, will you agree with me that there are varying degrees of fear, correct? Correct. And can you tell the jury how you described your perception of Michael Barrison's fear of your father? It was described the way that it was just read. Can you? He was deathly afraid. That's what was written. Now, yesterday, the prosecutor introduced a photograph of your your dog. Do you recall that? I do. And it was a picture taken probably many feet away. With, with your dog uh, just sitting there, correct? Correct. Ms. Cataract, I, I show you Defense Exhibit 800-D1. Okay. And ask you if this is a, another picture of your dog. Yes, it is. How about 800-D2? Oh, she's yawning? Yes, that is also my dog. 
You described that as a yawn in that photograph, and I'm referring to 800D2. That is a yawn. That's exactly what that is. And that's something that you, you posted, correct? Yes, I posted this. Now, what type of dog is that? A, do a dachshund, which is like the weenie dog kind of thing. A dachshund and a mini Rottweiler. She's basically a mutt, um, but those are the things that the ASPCA said that she was when we rescued her. Well, did you ever put on social media that she was a Doberman mix? Maybe. Somebody might have asked us, and we said, yes, possible. Did you describe her as a guard dog? Yes. The nighttime army. I'm, like, I'm sorry. Mr. Belenkis, is, uh, can I see you at the bench, please? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Judge Taylor appears to use the sidebar to ask defense counsel to get to the point of his questions about the alleged victim's dog. And upon resuming his questioning, Belinkus does just that. Uh, Ms. Canarac. Yes, sir. During this incident, that dog was outside at some point, correct? Correct. And will you agree with me that he attacked Michael Barrasel? Yes. He was biting him. His teeth were grabbing his body, correct? Yes, her teeth were nipping at him and biting at him, correct. Did you see that dog biting at his groin? area next to his genitals. No, I did not see that. Where did you see this dog biting Michael Barrison? I mostly saw her biting him and Robert in, I guess, just random places while barking. I, I was really losing a lot of blood, so I, it's not clear as to where exactly she was, you know, nipping around. Sorry. Well, will you agree with me that when you were talking to the prosecutor about what exactly happened on this day, that you neglected to mention that your dog was biting Michael Barrison. I don't think I neglect to mention it. It didn't, wasn't at the forefront of my mind, and I wasn't asked, so I didn't answer. So you'll agree with me that contained in your detailed statement of the event, which you've reviewed, yes. that nowhere did you mention that your dog attacked Michael Barrison. I, I don't know exactly. I'm sorry, can you just repeat that question sure. one more time? It's a little sure. confusing. You've reviewed your transcript of your interview with the prosecutor's office, correct? I, I'm not sure if I reviewed the transcript. I watched a video. Okay. So, and will you agree with me yes. that throughout that entire video, mm -hmm. when you were questioned with regards to this specific instance, Mm -hmm. Nowhere in that video did you mention that your dog attacked Michael Barrison. I don't remember. It was right after I got out of the hospital. If it's not in there, it was probably not the first thing on my mind to say about what happened when you got shot 
by the shooter who shot you. Mentioning a dog barking was probably not the first thing, or not, um, nipping was probably not the first four thing in my mind. When, when you say nipping, what do you mean by that? I mean nipping, like just like, you know, barking, just nipping at the people that were involved in what was going on at that moment, which was not me at that very moment. Judge, I'm going to object to this photo being shown to the witness. You're going to have her comment on a photo of an injury and her characterization of it? Not qualified to do that, Mr. Malenkis. So, Ms. Cataract, based on your recollection of the events, it's your testimony that your observations of your dog were that he was just nipping at Michael Barrison. Yes. Was he nipping hard enough to break the skin based on what you saw? I have no idea. They're all wearing clothing, so I don't, I have no idea. Now, on the 6th, did that dog attack Dr. Cox? I believe Again, didn't I rule on this already, Mr. Belinkus? After a quick sidebar, Judge Taylor again redirects Belinkus. Objection sustained. Move on, Mr. Belinkus. Now, yesterday you talked about a, uh, a plan that you had with regards to Michael Barrasso. Was part of your plan to destroy Michael Barrasso was to contact DICES or DCPP? No, at least, no, no, actually. Did you, in fact, contact DICES? I, in fact, did not contact DICES. On July 10th, 2019, did you search on your phone for the DICES hotline? I don't recall. I don't believe so, but I don't recall. On July 31st, do you recall searching DICES anonymous hotline? I do not recall, but it's possible. I'm going to show you what has been marked uh, Defense Exhibit 200D1, and I'm going to refer you to item number 83. Sure. It's July 31st. This is, looks like a search or something, not, not a phone call. I asked you specifically, did you yes. search for Dyfus's anonymous hotline on that day? And I didn't recall. Now you've shown me, now I recall. Did you also search for Dyfus's hotline on July 10th? Possibly. I'm showing you the same exhibit. I'm referring you to item number 206 and ask you, if that refreshes your recollection sure. as to whether or not you were searching for Dyfus's hotline on that day, the 10th. Different, same, different day? Or? Different day. Yes. So when you say possibly, you did in fact search for Dyfus's number on those two occasions, correct? It looks that way, yes. When you say it looks that way, is there any doubt in your mind, based on those records mm -hmm. that I just showed you, right. that you did in fact do that? There is doubt in my mind, but again, it is on my record, so it was searched from my phone. What is the doubt in your mind? Can we talk about that for a second? Sure. Would you, where would you like me What's the well, doubt? Let him, let him ask a question. What is I'll the doubt in your mind, after looking at those records, that you in fact we're searching for Dyfus's anonymous hotline. The doubt in my mind is this. Earlier that year, Justin Harden, Michael's assistant trainer, had stolen my phone at a restaurant and 
We caught him, like we called it, and we found him in his vehicle, breaking into my phone and going through it just like a month or two before around. So while yes, it's possible that I was just simply searching for a hotline number or just start making inquiries online, it's also possible that Justin Harden, who does possess phone technological skills that I do not, after having stolen my phone and broken into it just right before this, may have been able to do things on my phone that I did not. And so that's the only reason I'm saying this. I don't know whether that's true. Could have definitely been me. But there's always a, a doubt in my mind in regards to things that were done after that phone was stolen. On two separate occasions? Seems that way, yes. Now, on the 6th, mm -hmm. you're aware of the fact that uh, the townspeople came to this facility, correct? Correct. Here, Belinkus makes reference to a visit by a town inspection official to the Barrison farm. Can you inform the jury how that came about? Sure. So, at this point, no one is speaking. Um, Michael's girlfriend at the time, and, and Michael, but mostly the girlfriend, a couple together had told the staff members, apparently, not to respond to any of our messages. Not, if we had a question about feed, don't respond, nothing. We learned that, I think we were doing night check, that there is a, a dryer, not a washing machine, but a dryer, a clothing dryer, that was plugged in in the on position and would not turn off. And as a horse owner, that is your biggest fear, a barn fire. That is all you think about. I texted one of Michael's main staff members. This is Cassandra. We overheard you telling Ruth that the dryer is not turning off and she's sleeping. She didn't hear you. And that will definitely cause a fire. Could you please just confirm that the, you've turned it off or it's unplugged, anything, just so I can go to sleep for the night, basically. She did not answer me. I think I texted her again saying, Cassandra, please, I'm really, really worried about this. The dryer's on, it cannot be in the on position while plugged in, just going and going in all night long in the stable area where all my horses are. Again, she ignores me. I believe I might have texted Michael also, and if I did, it was certainly ignored. And the, I think the following day, or the maybe the day prior, whenever this incident happened, and there was zero response, nobody was letting us know, just, yeah, it's fine, it's off. You're good to go. It was my decision to let the fire marshal know there were fire hazards going on, they were not answering us, and we need to take it to a different level and bring it to the attention of the fire marshal because that's how scary it was for us at this time, at that time. Isn't it a fact that part of your plan to destroy Michael Barrison was to get him kicked out of the stable area and make him homeless? Maybe. Maybe? Yes, maybe. So. Would you agree with me that it's a little bit more than maybe a watcher or a dryer causing an issue than what you just testified to? Uh, no, because we had no idea that that would be a result of calling a fire marshal and build, or a building inspector. So I would not say it was a plan to get him evicted from, at least not my plan, to get him evicted from the barn 
You simply called the fire marshal and building inspector. I have no idea what the building inspector thing was exactly. That wasn't my forte. But the fire marshal part of it was. If I could approach you. I'm going to show you the exhibit 102. Yes. Is this a one and a half page letter mm -hmm. that you wrote to the building department and fire marshal? Yes, I, I wrote this. This is my handwriting. Correct. Okay. So, first of all, there was a lot more than a, a call, correct? There was this, blood, this letter. I'm not even sure if there was a call, actually. But there was, we notified them. I should have used that word. Okay, so oh, I apologize. You, they were notified. When you just testified that you called them, that was incorrect. I, I misspoke. I'm not sure if you actually called or I should have said notified. Okay. Call is probably the wrong choice of word. When you say notified, did you send the town a detailed letter with regards to various issues at both the house and the stable. Yes. Did you inform them that the condition was dangerous and possibly illegal? Did you just repeat the question? I wasn't sure if you said which area we're referring to what we're referring. Would you agree with me that this letter sets forth numerous things that you alleged create a dangerous situation yes, at both the house and the stable area? That would be a correct statement, yes. And part of this has to do with the construction that is currently going on, correct? Um, correct. And isn't it a fact that your boyfriend was doing a lot of the work? Pretty much all of it, but most of it, yes, correct. You, you basically indicated to them that it's a very dangerous and illegal situation, correct? Um, yes, that was written. I was just, I was just noticing um, it was Robert Goodwin that actually wrote it, but that's the important. Yes. When you say Robert Goodwin actually wrote it, doesn't your signature, your signature, appear on it right below his as a witness to yes. this letter? Yes. And, and who drafted this letter? You or Robert? Um, we drafted it together. Um, it was supposed to be typed. So I, it wasn't supposed to be written like this, but it was drafted by both of us. Did you have Robert personally go down to the town I didn't and have, talk to these people? I didn't have Robert do anything. I simply wrote a letter that we both composed together that I think expressed our concerns over several things. And by doing that, you knew that quite possibly Barisol would be kicked out of the stables, correct? Incorrect. We did not know that was going to be a result of anything. We just wanted them to check things out. And my main concern was, again, the fire hazard, which is the first paragraph. So on, on the 6th, the day before the shooting, the town people actually came, correct? I believe so. I, think, I believe that was the date, is what I'm saying. You, you were on the property that day, correct? Yes, I, I just don't remember if it was that day or the day before. But they were there. <clears throat> and when those people came, did Rob Goodwin show them around and point out the hazardous conditions? 
If he did, I wasn't with him, so if he did, I don't know. Ms. Conorak, after the town officials came through both the farmhouse and the stable area, yes. uh, they basically put notices on the door indicating that everyone had to vacate, correct? Of this stable area only? Stable and the farmhouse where you and Robert were living. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That seemed like two separate questions. So okay, I'll just break it down, Mr. Belenkis, one at a time. With regards to the structure that you and Robert Goodwin were living in, did the town place a notice on the building indicating that it was a hazardous condition and that you could not occupy the structure? Yes. Okay, I'm going to show you D-822 and ask you if these are the notices that were posted on the farmhouse. Yes, those are the notices. And did you read these notices? I did. And it indicates that if you don't leave the premises, it subjects the owner of the building to a $5,000 fine per day, correct? That's not what I recall reading, no. Well, what do you recall reading regarding these notices? I recall reading that in our specific section of the house, there were smoke detectors that were for some reason not working. That I guess me, the building inspector seemed to think that Mr. Barrison had ripped out the hard wiring for some reason, and we read those, and then they gave us the opportunity to fix them and re-enter the property. That's what I read. You read that on these? I mean, I read those violations, yes. Okay, and those violations say, if you remain on the premises, the owner is subject to a $5,000 fine. Do you recall reading that? No, I just got to the violation. I don't remember reading the entire thing at all, just violations. It's your testimony that you had communications with the town, correct? Correct. And you remained on the premises with your boyfriend, Robert Goodwin, correct? Correct. And even though you remained on the premises, you continued to display the notices that were placed on all the doors, correct? I honestly don't remember that that picture looks like maybe it was after when, when you say you don't remember, I don't remember. Do, do you re, you've seen photographs that the prosecutor shown you regarding this incident, correct? I have. And and those photographs include pictures of the door where the bullet hole went through, correct? Correct. And and if I show you this photo again, eight hundred twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Does that look like the door with the shattered glass on it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Would you agree with me that if the glass was shattered? Judge, I'm going to object to this line of I'll withdraw. Yeah. Move on. Now, on August 5th, the day you sent that letter to the town, did you receive a letter from Michael Barrison's lawyer basically telling you to get out? Basically saying that, yes. And, and did that make you angry? Mm. Yeah. Okay. And on the 6th, the day the town came and kicked Mar- Michael Barrison out of the stable, were you served with an eviction complaint? An, I'm sorry, an eviction complaint? An eviction complaint. We were never served with 
a court eviction papers of any kind, aside from the lawyer. Are you 100% sure of that answer? I, w I would say yes. I didn't see anything. Nothing was on our door saying you were being evicted. I was not served with anything. So yes, that would be my answer. Now on the 6th and the 7th, you were still posting negative things about Michael Barrison, correct? Correct. Prior to the 7th, on August 4th, were you angry at Michael Barrison? Yes. Were you searching for exploding bullets on your phone? Objection. Let me see that sidebar. After the sidebar, Judge Taylor sustains Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn's objection to the defense allegation that the witness searched the internet for exploding bullets on her phone. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. On our next installment, we will continue our look at Edward Belinkus's cross-examination of this witness, including his inquiry into conflicts between the defendant and the alleged victim in the days and hours before Barrison shot Kanarek. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison.